Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Coaching Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guest today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Kimberly Gerber. How are you doing, Kimberly? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for asking. So as the, as the founder and CEO of Accelerate and former Fortune 100 executive herself, Kimberly Gerber has developed a transformational coaching process that combines high-touch experiences with cutting-edge science and technology to deliver programs that accelerate the thinking, behavior, and results of her executive clients and the companies they lead. That's amazing, Kimberly. It's, it's a lot of fun, actually. I, I really love the work that we do. I'm super passionate about it, and it is not work to me at all. Awesome, awesome. And that's how it's supposed to be, right? When you're living your passion and you're doing that, you're doing that it, right? That me, yep. me thing that you're that drives you. It shouldn't feel like work. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My kids always ask me, I've got three kids, and they always say, like, Mom, if you could do anything, what would you would you do? And I'm like, I am doing it. That's amazing. That's amazing. So yep. Kimberly, I want you to tell us um a little bit about yourself, the too many version. Where you're from. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. So originally from New York, grew up in upstate New York in Rochester, where it's really cold, thawing mm -hmm. this time of year, but it was cold. And so after college, I wanted to go to warmer climate. So I headed to San Diego for graduate school. And there I had um, a great experience, a lot of fun in San Diego. I had an entrepreneurial experience on my way to what at the time was my goal, which was leading Fortune 500 marketing and advertising and PR. Mm -hmm. And I worked with a company for Fleetwood for five years early on in my career, which was uh, an MBA in so many things. Okay. Um, and I had great experiences there and worked alongside. It's a very flat organization, even though there were 40,000 employees. Mm -hmm. So I worked alongside the C-level leaders right from the very beginning of my career. And that really changed how I saw leadership and really what was po what became possible for me in my own career. And from there, I was recruited to Starbucks where I spent another five years as a marketing executive. And in those two um, experiences, my, my marketing discipline, my expertise is in brand strategy. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's where I focused. But what I started to notice as I was looking at consumer brands and products was that the same things that made people want to buy products or made people rally around and become loyal to brands through a marketing process could be applied and was as successful when leaders took the time to brand themselves, think about their mm. communications, position themselves, be thoughtful, okay. understand the promise that they were making. And so at the time, I, you know, as an executive working at Starbucks, I started to create a curriculum for my own staff, for, you know, about personal branding, about um, talent identification, about how to build business partnerships, you know, be a good service partner in organizations. And it was a lot of fun. And, um, ultimately really put me in the 
the trajectory of doing what I do today. So I had a I left Starbucks to be the COO for a dot com company early in the 2000s. Okay. And that led to uh, a lot of opportunities for me to work with different companies. And and after I had, you know, the dot com, you know, turned into the dot bomb. And, yeah. and I had a lot of folks, you know, saying like, hey, uh, I know you're going to be out of a job soon. So would you like <laughs> to help me? And, and at, at a certain point in time, I, I turned the, the company that I was working with into a client, continued to work with them and serve on their board for several years. But that's what what ultimately um, allowed me to launch Accelerate. We'll celebrate 20 years today. 20 wow, congratulations. Years. It's hard to believe. Thank you very much. Um, yes, and if you do the math, you can you know how old I am. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been a great journey. It's really been a great journey. And I what I what I discovered as a marketing executive is still as powerful for me in the work that I do with clients today as it was when I applied it first to myself and to my teams, you know, back now, 20, 25 years ago. That's, so awesome. that's a little bit about me. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones, all things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T.com. And schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Okay. So, so Kimberly, um, I want you to, because right now I'm hearing a lot of successes, right? You're doing well. You, yeah. you when you got started, you went right towards the executive, right? The C-suite level. Um, were there any challenges as you were progressing <laughs> throughout? Sure. For sure. I think that the, there's of course, a lot of challenges in that two minutes does not give me nearly the time to unpack all of the journey, but the, the, probably the greatest challenge that I ran into was myself. Mm. And early in, well, it would have been, you know, my mid to late 20s, I was having a lot of success on the business side, a tremendous amount, really. Mm -hmm. And, and so I kept getting promotions and, and new opportunities and higher and higher levels of projects and work handed to me. And what I didn't realize, when we're in those situations, we draw on our strengths. Yes, and the things we do, the things that we think we should do, and we, we leverage our strengths. And so I had a lot of strengths in um, in getting things done and activation. What I what I what that led to for me was these blinders mm -hmm. about what the impact of my energy and my strength and my focus and my sometimes perfectionism, what the impact of that had on other people. And so what happened was. I had a lot of success, so I had got a lot of opportunities, mm -hmm. but then there was the opportunity started to get very pigeonholed mm -hmm. and then became very individual contributor oriented because okay. 
I wasn't all that fun to work with. And that was when, when that started to become known to me, first, I didn't understand it. And I certainly, it, you know, it wasn't what I would wanted. That's not really a reflection of my, of who I am. Mm -hmm. However, I had, I was going so fast and so hard that I got these blinders on and I started mm -hmm. developing a lot of bad habits. And at that time, I think that there was a certain insecurity that I had. I had a lot of responsibility that, you know, between you and me and whoever's listening, I wasn't qualified for I, I hadn't the experience for it and I didn't have the resources. And so that built up in me a lot of question about whether I could deliver on the asks. Mm. And so I worked extra hard, all nighters, researched things, really, really equipped myself as best I could to deliver. And I did deliver, but the weight of the insecurity, mm. all, you know, kind of brought out the worst in me. So okay. I wanted to change that. So that was the, my biggest challenge. And it was an uncomfortable one. It was very personal. It was stressful and it was emotional. I didn't feel very good about myself. And so before I was 30, I made a commitment to make, to change that. And that led me on a three year journey. And, you know, it's kind of your, my, my own very own eat, love, pray. The first year was what do people see? You know, why do they, why am I intimidating to people? Mm -hmm. And then the next year was what do I do about that? Mm. And then the third one, and it sounds like it would be easy, like, okay, now you know what people see. And now you, know, you kind of have figured out what to do about it, what you could change. But it takes a lot of courage to change. It takes courage not to be critical when that's gotten you successful. It takes practice not to fight to be right, mm -hmm. to prove that you're the smartest person in the room. So there was a lot of communication behaviors that, I, that were talents for me that I had to be courageous and make different decisions. And that was hard. But after about three years, I think I was unrecognizable to myself. Yes, and, and sometimes like people, I'll tell people today, like, oh, I was terrible. I was awful. It was hard to work with. And people would say, I, I can't picture that. I can't see that. But you know what, Kimberly? Um, doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you saw the problem and instead of running away from it, you decided to face it head on. Yeah. Because you were able to do that, look at you now, right? You you got past your limited your limited belief, right? You um you overcame, and now you are in a space where you're you're happy, right? You're successful, and you're creating impact. Yeah, you know? yeah. The key learning that came out of there for me, and that I really try to impart to people, is that your limitations don't define you, and they mm. aren't you. Yes, indeed. Some of them may come out, some of our greatest limitations might come out of our strongest talents. And so people, you know, I'll work with people at many stages in their career, many ages in their career, and they fundamentally feel like whatever behavior they, that is getting in their way is so much a part of them, they can't change. But from experience, really personal experience, I know that's not the case. And so it has definitely been something that's been, that's enabled me as a leader, as an executive, as a coach to really help people transform because yes. it's about the mind shift. Can we believe that we can be a better version of ourselves? Exactly. Well stated. So let's go backwards a tad bit. Okay. Because you okay. mentioned in terms of the insecurities. So would you say it, your insecurity, did it stem from childhood? Because oftentimes we have these uh, these subconscious, right? These limiting beliefs that's yeah. that's embedded within us, and yeah. often pops out 
when we least expect it? Yes. Yes. So the answer to all of that is yes. Uh, you know, growing up, I was the second oldest of five kids. Okay. And my sister, who was just a year older than me, was an Olympic track skater. Wow. So, so she was great. And, and we, there used to be a saying in my house, of course it was, you know, kids are, kids are kind of mean to one another, but she would say to me, and I love her dearly. If she ever hears this, Bernie, I love you. <laughs> uh, but she would say anything you can do, I can do better. Ooh. And there was a truthiness to that, you know, so self-fulfilling prophecy perhaps, but she was great at a lot of things. She was again, headed to the Olympics in skating. She, she didn't go to school full-time in some years because she was, you know, figure skating and that comes with a whole lot of things. And she was intellectually more gifted. She was a more studious person. So even when she wasn't skating, you know, she was on the honor society mm -hmm. and, and those weren't gifts that I had particularly at that time in my life but they were things that were prized in my family. So I grew up a little bit under the banyan tree and, okay. and feeling like I wasn't ever probably gonna measure up. And it really wasn't until after I was almost, I was out of college where I had a couple of epiphanies that, wow, okay, maybe I'm not you know, less than, and maybe I have talents that are even greater than. So, so exploring talent and really understanding people's value. What are they truly talented to do? Mm -hmm. And what value does that create are very important and fundamental things that we do with all clients at the beginning of any relationship that we have, because possibly because of my own experience coming up, there's greatness within all of us. And we really do sometimes have to figure out what is that special code? You know, what is that special blend that we bring that we can talk about, that we can um, share with others, and that we can use to really draw the right opportunities towards us so that we can be in an area, you know, so we're always working in our competence. We're always working towards our genius. Yes, and, and I think that my upbringing really allowed me to, to see that, but also have passion for other people and compassion for people who feel insecure. Yes, you see, sometimes when we're going through these, um, these obstacles, we don't realize that later on, these obstacles are preparing us to be better individuals, right? 100%. So you are a victor. You are victorious. You're not a victim. Absolutely. No, never <laughs> not a victim. Not a victim. <laughs> yes, indeed. So why did you get into coaching in the first place? I got into coaching as a response to my clients' requests. Okay. I started Accelerate uh, Consulting and Training. And, and at the time, in the kind of the early 2000s, coaching was newer and it was somewhat exclusive. Um, and I'd had a coaching experience. I'd actually had a coaching experience and it was odd to me. It wasn't bad and it wasn't good, mm. but it wasn't, it was odd. I didn't love it. And, and the reason I didn't love it is because the coach um, maybe wasn't candid with me. Okay. Maybe didn't tell me what I needed to hear. I was tougher on myself than my coach was on me. So I, I wasn't really thinking coaching for myself. But what happened after I was consulting for a couple of years is I would notice that clients were calling me after our engagements were done. We'd do a project, we would do a training, and then they would call me like, oh, hey, um, I just could, you know, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? And one client finally said to me, could we could you just bill me? And if I could call you maybe once every other week or so, because I just feel better when I'm talking to you. 
I just mm. feel better. Yeah. And I thought, all right, well, I, I can sell that service. I'm a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, yes. Let me let me send you a bill. And and so I looked into coaching. I thought I did that for a while, and then I thought because I am um, I have a lot of integrity, and so I thought if I'm going to sell a service, I'm going to call it something. I better understand what it is and mm -hmm. how to do it. And so I I signed up for an executive coaching course. I loved it was with the Newfield Network. They were fabulous, an amazing uh, learning journey, and I became a, a certified executive coach. And that was, you know, back in 2004. Okay, that's an amazing yeah. story right there. Yeah. So, who do you coach primarily? I primarily coach and, and accelerate primarily coaches, C level leaders, and their teams. Okay. So, we are often, if not always, working with someone at the C-suite level okay. or the president or a CEO. And we're working not only with them, but we're working with either their entire team or members of their team to um, in, a, in a coaching and sometimes a facilitative capacity. So we, our goal is really to expand the capability of the high level leaders mm -hmm. and make sure that their teams have everything they need to perform at their highest level. Awesome, awesome. And how big it's uh it's accelerate uh, your, your company? In terms of in terms of just like um size, are you guys uh, operating um all throughout the United States? Um yes. so, so we in terms, yeah. I guess in terms of clientele and staffing, I would say. Sure, sure. So yeah, so we have a number of coaches. We work nationally. Um no, we haven't expanded to work internationally at this time, but we work all across the country. Okay. And we work with companies, uh we work with large companies and mid-sized companies. Understood. What we're what we're primarily focused on are high growth companies. Mm. So they can be um you know a mid-sized company that is going IPO, a company that is kind of mid-market, maybe a closely held company that has a transition coming up mm. um, in terms of a change of leadership. Uh, because what we're always looking to do is we're looking to get leaders at the VP level ready for working at the C level. Yes, so, we, you yeah. know, we talk, you know, people, you know, are, are frequently asking, you know, what's important to you in the service you provide. And I always say it's three things. Readiness, excuse me, results, readiness, and retention. Results, readiness, and retention. Results, okay. readiness, and retention. And so we're looking at those senior leaders and it's what are the results that they're producing today and making sure that they're at the highest level. Are they ready for their next role? So when organizations, by the time leaders get to a certain level, they're, the, the training programs aren't really there for them anymore. It's It's more reliant on designing mm -hmm. a coaching process or or curriculum that is very specifically targeted at filling the gaps that they don't even know that they have between what it is like to lead at a VP level versus at a C level. And there's these gaps that, that exist because there's all of these experiences you have at the C-suite level that you just don't have in more junior positions, even if you're a very high level leader. It's a big difference. It, yeah. it is a big difference indeed. Definitely. Yeah. So what's your coaching style, right? Because I know a lot of coaches have different styles of coaching. Some folks are more hands-on, others are more practical and focused on a curriculum. What's your style of coaching? So I would say my style of coaching is consultative. 
Okay. And and I think that the based on the work that I do, we uh, we have a process. So there's always a process that co that clients are going through that's similar. We start mm -hmm. with assessments. We identify goals. We move into working on those goals towards those goals. Sometimes there's skill gaps that we're filling, and that's where curriculum comes into play. And we have a robust amount of of um, curriculum for that. And then, but a lot of times it's looking at the opportunities. And so there we become a strategic sounding board. We are, uh, again, my background is a strategist and I, mm -hmm. I look for coaches. The coaches in our organization have similar experiences that, that I have. So they've okay. worked in corporations. They've been an executive. They have coaching certifications and they also often are, have been in some kind of consultative type of role. So they might have worked in marketing. They might have worked in consulting. Um, they, they are going to be able to already know the process of working alongside, but not necessarily taking ownership. Because at the end of the day, the leader has to own whatever actions are taken. But, but what we bring uniquely often is we will get in there and we will work a puzzle with them. Okay. Help got them it, create it. solutions, offer road, you know, uh, pathways that to which they can achieve success. And not all coaches do that either because they are a little bit more traditional to the, the, the style of inquiry, asking a lot of questions, mm -hmm. which we do, but what our clients love about us. And I think why they keep coming back is because we're all, we'll jump in there with them and we'll help them solve a problem. All right, that's awesome. So you do a little bit of both, which is great. Yeah. Um, asking questions is always great, but um, sometimes a person might need a little bit, a little bit of a push, yeah. <laughs> right? So that I'm glad you have a both approach right there. So, if someone were looking for a coach, what traits would you advise for them to look for? Mm. So the first, it would be chemistry. You've got to enjoy working with your coach. Okay. And that's going to be different for different people. But the the traits that I would be looking for, for sure, is candor. Mm, okay. If you're going to hire a coach, the one thing that they can do unique in your world is they can give you, they should be able to give you valid input, valid feedback, share valid observations that sometimes the rest of the world is a little bit afraid to, to, to you know, to share. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like in a, in a meeting, in a, you know, in, in a fit conversation, if you're looking to hire a coach, you want to know it's someone who's going to bring you truth and not going to just make you feel better. And I say that this is so important because that my own coaching experience that I thought was odd mm -hmm. lacked that. Mm. The, the coach was more interested in telling me what I was doing right and what everyone else was doing wrong when I clearly knew that wasn't really the case and that wasn't very helpful to me. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, that I, I call the bookends of, of my coaching is candor and kindness. And I think that the folks that have worked with me would say that this is true. This comes true. I will absolutely surface the difficult issues, but in a way that it keeps them whole and feeling optimistic about being able to solve whatever challenges in front of them. I like that. I like that. Candor and kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, so so basically, it seemed like the coach that you worked with um, previously was just a cheerleader, and that's it. Yes, 
and it doesn't always feel like cheerleading, but that, <laughs> but sometimes that's what it is. And and I, I think the other trait I would look for in a coach is what can they add? Do they understand your business or your situation enough mm -hmm. that they're going to be able to help you interrogate? Mm. the situation. So for example, we work with executives and so all of our coaches have been an executive. Okay. So, so, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that haven't had that experience. They've been great entrepreneurs or they've done great things and they're great coaches for certain people. But if you haven't worked in a large organization, if you don't understand how natural politics work, if you don't understand what someone might be facing in cross-functional relationship or in career planning or succession planning, if you haven't experienced that yourself, it's really hard to help someone at a strategic level. So depending on who you are and, and what you, where you are in your organization or your career, make sure that the coach that you hire has experience there. Because that's gonna that's gonna really make them be a good strategic partner for you as you kind of listen to the coaching as you go through the process. Yes, indeed, definitely. Mm -hmm. So now we're at the point of the, of the podcast. This is like one of my favorite part, right? Favorite part of the podcast is yeah. storytelling time. So I want you okay. to give me a two to three minute success story where mm -hmm. you realize your coaching modalities um, from accelerate to help one of your clients to get past a hurdle and sure. get towards success. Share with yeah. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you were talking, uh, what was brought to mind was a client of ours who was um, a senior leader at uh, one of the big five accounting firms. Okay. And the, they had gone up for, they had applied for becoming a managing, um, a managing partner three or four times in the past couple of years and they'd been there 17 years so they'd been applying for this role and they had just gotten to the point where it was either going to happen or it wasn't they were going to go one more round and then if that didn't work out for them they were probably going to leave the organization and go somewhere else and they decided to hire a coach and they hired me and and um in this process what we learned was that the individual was trying to go at the at, for the for the promotion in the way that traditional people go for the promotion so which in their case it was not going to work because they weren't the typical managing partner and mm -hmm. so what we did in our process we did um i have a a coaching program called brand your brilliance and it's really where people um, go through kind of a self-discovery process, figure out what their core value is, not value as in values, mm -hmm. but financial contribution to the organization and okay. what it is about them that brings about that financial contribution. And so in her case, we were able to clearly document the millions of dollars that she had brought to the organization over a short time period. And that for her was mind blowing because she didn't even know that herself. And so we then created a PR campaign for her and we you know, set up a schedule of very specific networking, very specific sponsorship requests, very specific actions you would take just like a marketing program, just like, you know, for, again, this is that, this is that marketing expertise coming to play for individuals. And she followed it and she 
long story short, the that that very year she got on the shortlist, which she'd never been able to get on the shortlist before. And the following year she got the promotion. That's amazing right there. Being there for but 17 the, years. And the best part is she sold herself. So she didn't sell herself as a as a rainmaker. Mm-hmm. She sold herself as a value-added consultant that was mm-hmm. going to attract a certain type of client, and then they were going to sprawl within the organization. So she was she. We took the time to figure out her what her magic was because she knew it was there. She just couldn't articulate it. Mm-hmm. And so when when she we you know positioned her next to the norm, she was different. And because all of her results were grounded in reality, it was so easy for the organization to say, absolutely. And since then, I will just say she has become a um, she's become a bit of a of a, you know, mentor in the organization for other female leaders, other people who want to go up on that trajectory. And in part because she's very confident now in a way of her true self, of her true talents, in a way that she probably was not before she went through that journey. That's an amazing story right there, Kimberly. Amazing story. You was able to showcase her value, like you mentioned previously, you know? Her financial contribution. We all make a financial contribution to our organizations. Mm -hmm. Very few of us know what it is. Great, great, great. Kudos, (laughs) kudos to you, definitely. So. Kimberly, are you currently working on any new projects at the moment? And if you are, do you mind sharing with us? Sure. So one of the one of the the I'll call it new, but it's more of a newly formatted uh, program okay. that we are have rolled out is called Executive Accelerator. Mm-hmm. And over the years that we have worked, the, the, you know, this is what we do. This is how we work with people. But I'm really excited about this program because it it brings in so many elements in a very concise pathway. So we have created a very specific roadmap to fill in gaps, to get VP level folks, GM level folks ready for that next step. And we've put it into a very specific program called Executive Accelerator. And I'm super excited. The folks that have participated in it you know, up to this point, have, you know, 94% of them have been promoted to their C-level roles and are successfully, you know, making waves in their companies and and feeling really good about themselves. I think that, again, going back to something I said earlier, that's really important is that at, at the highest level of leadership, if you've got really strong, impactful leaders who are able to um, come to work every day, feeling confident, knowing what their impact is, on the business as well as their impact on the people, all of that positive energy matriculates throughout the organization and you end up with a better culture that is a more fun workplace and better retention, which today is like the big hot button. You know, it's retaining <laughs> talent, retaining talent. So, you know, we we love to help people do that. That's awesome. And 94%, that's a high success rate right there. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. I started tracking that about seven years ago because okay. I realized that most of my clients at the time were being promoted. There was such a high percentage. I think one year, um, just of my own personal clients, 33 people had been promoted within like an 18 month period. And that's huge. 
And so I started to look across our coaching panel and I looked across our programs and I've tracked that over years. And many people have been promoted three and four times now, but our, our promotion rate is right in that 94% rate. Range. That's amazing right there. That's amazing. Yep. So Kimberly, if someone were to inquire about your services or just want yeah. to connect with you, where can they go to find you? I think the best place to go to take a look at, at our services and there's easy links to connect with with the organization and myself is our website and that is www i the letter i accelerate e x c e l e r a t e dot com awesome so i accelerate dot com you can find out a lot and and connect with us right away you can actually schedule a call with me from the from the website that's amazing right there cool Kimberly, yeah. thank you for coming on today's show and I also like to thank all of our guests for letting us their ears and their eyeballs. And last but not least, Kimberly, how may I serve you? Ooh, I, Thomas, I think you served me today. I think that you already have. This has been a great conversation. You've actually brought up some things that I haven't thought about in a while, and you've allowed me to share my story. So I just want to thank you for serving me. And if there is ever anything I can do to serve you or your guests, please let me know. Yes, indeed. Again, this is your host, Thomas Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share it with someone that will benefit. And make sure to tune in for next week's episode. Take care, be blessed, and cheers. We out.